Carl, test, test. Carl, Carl, test, test. Yeah, you're all buzzy. I got to call back. All right, call back. Bye. Okay, bye. 10 p.m. to midnight, join me in my quest to escape from the occult oubliette, a world of violence, intrigue, sexuality, mysticism, magic, and leftover spaghetti. Enjoy my insane rants about leftist causes, Midwestern witchcraft, the ascendancy of Skynet, and why neo-paganism is vastly overrated. I've got guests, music, comedy, and old Alan Watts lectures from the 70s. How can you resist? You can't. I put a spell on you. Ah! MutinyRadio.fm is an official shrine of the miraculous garlic of Mount Cavalry. Test, 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 test. That sounds good. Carl, speak up. I have a little echo. Oh, you do? Did you say speak up? I can speak up. Can you speak up? (laughs) All right, listen, I can throw up. I'm going to call back one last time. All right. No, right. no, actually, I don't hear the, the echo anymore. Okay, call okay. me back. Bye. Eight with no, no, Trina Roderick. It's where um, people go, and sometimes they smell bad, and sometimes they don't smell bad. Mutiny Radio made me great. <laughs> Mutiny Radio made me better than you. And that you can be better than everyone else, too, every Friday from 6 to 8 on Happy Hour here at Mutiny Radio. But you'll bet never be better than me. You'll never be better than me. You'll never be better than Zach. And you also, it's a happy hour, but we don't have any alcohol, so it's... L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That stands for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie with Mike Spiegelman on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. And I got to tell you, it's Lawathla Mott. 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 Right. I don't, I'm really bad at pronouncing, pronouncing words, so it's Lawathla <laughs> Yeah. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we are very excited. We uh, watch a full-length movie with you, uh, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. That is our podcast name feed and our Twitter handle and our YouTube channel. And we are always heard first on MutinyRadio.fm every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Why don't you go to Venmo, send money to at MutinyRadio, make uh, Pam Benjamin, our station manager, happy. Uh, and us happy. That's our only advertisement. What movie are we watching today? Uh, today, we are actually watching a quality movie. It is called Death Proof 2007. It's Quentin Tarantino. So you put in Death Space ah. Proof 2007 in your YouTube search engine. We like the channel I... No, it's L-O-M-I-N-E-F-E. 
Lom in Waffle Mom. Yeah. L O M I N E F E. Click on that link, press pause, slide it back to zero 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 and buffer. Death proof two thousand. We have a special countdown uh, from the Countdown King himself, who's not here with us, so we have his replacement, a robot. Will you please give it up for the Paul Brumbot? Br- uh, yes, not a robot, a Brumbot. Another day in the hood. Here we go, folks. You know the drill. Get your finger over that little triangle, and in three, two, one, go. This, this uh, opening I, I love. Uh, fuck the Roaring Lion. This is really cool because here's the Dimension film straight out of the 90s. Yes. And Dimension used to do shitty movies in the 70s. Here we go. Best music ever. Well, Dimension Pictures was in the 70s, and Dimension Films is today. And they're not connected except for the name Dimension. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I know that, that the Dimension of the 90s. Now, this is cool, this little cartoon. Like, some I- parts are good. Doesn't look like a shitty movie at all. I just wanted to dementia you... this. Yeah. Sorry, I, I have dementia. Did you uh, ever see a movie intro like this before where a, it's different lions showing different types of movies? Like, you know, Panthers, Restricted Lion? No. Uh, listen, I got to tell you, the first time I ever bumped into this movie ever was you telling me about it. But... Huh. I thought it was legit. Okay, now the original the original title comes up for two seconds. Oh, first some feet. Yeah. Fuck you, Tarantino, you foot fetish. <laughs> God damn it. They are cute, though. They look like little candies. No, Mike, don't resist. Here you go. Yeah. Thunderbolt. Right. That was the original title, and it got switched yeah. to Death Proof. But it's kind of a joke because a lot of Grindhouse films would be released under a name, they would get killed in the critics, and they'd quickly rename themselves. Now, one of, our, one of our favorite ones is the one that goes, uh, what was it, like, the, the one about the asset, like, baby, baby, bring me down. Oh, by the way, Mary um, Louise, and then Zoe. Yeah. Uh, you know, anyway. Angel, angel, down we go. Yeah. Cult of the Dam. Cult of the Dam after Manson kind of kicked. Yeah. So here is a photo of feet and human feet, lady feet. So we've seen three sets of feet so far. Right. And this movie can't wait to smoke pot. <laughs> so God bless. Pot will be all so over. I think it's... Yeah. And this is Sally Mankey's last film, I think. She she died. She was a um, Tarantino's editor for the first couple of films. And she really made Kill Bill, like, oh. you know, bearable. Because she had a real pacing. She fell asleep in her car. Uh, she would used to walk up in the hills, and she fell asleep in her car, and got heated up, and died of heat or something. Something really tragic like that. Okay. I, it was kind of sad because I do think she's good. So you'll notice his other films like Glorious Bastards. That's the first without her as an editor. Oh, look at this! Uh, the, even the fucking silver, the four sets of feet, right? The other poster has feet on it. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is a Tarantino film, and that means feet. And who we're seeing up in the part? Okay, that is Cheryl Ladd's daughter right there, the daughter of Cheryl oh, Ladd. No Look who's got a pee. <laughs> Me. Hard oh, wait, is she wearing flip flops? So that. Did you see? Ah, it? I figured it'd be. Yeah. Hey, look, that's a uh, six 
pairs of feet we've seen if we include two movie posters. This is Austin, Texas. Oh, well, it told you itself. Okay, that's the daughter of Sidney Poitier, and that's the daughter of Cheryl Lamb. Sidney Poitier's daughter is named Sidney Poitier, right? Sidney. 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 Okay, all right. Did you do that to your poor children? <laughs> They're all like variations of Carl. <laughs> no. Yeah. Right. My 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 wife would not permit that. I did want to name my kid Carl. Carl Junior. I Carl Junior. Luckily, I didn't. Luckily, she <laughs> had good sense. Yeah, yeah. Because we're Jack in the Box people here. Uh, so here we go. We kick it off, and now this is fantastic. This is what women sound like. Is my complaint. This movie, uh, I saw it in the theater, Carl. I, I don't know if you've ever seen it. You didn't, and uh, she, she's drinking something called the Kuna Brothers, and that is a reference to the original theatrical release. Uh-huh. This, of course, was a notorious release called Grindhouse, yeah. where Clint Tarantino and director Robert Regas has two full-length movies back-to-back, like as right. if it was a 1970-something feature at a Grindhouse. And in between the movies, they had an ad for a Kuna Brothers uh, food and taqueria, and that's and then the, this movie kicks off, and they're eating, they're using the props, they're drinking yeah. from the drink, uh, right there, boys, I guess, the Kuna boys. And so you can go to YouTube. Talk about red apple cigarettes. There's lots of Tarantino yeah, stuff cool. in here. Yeah, but their reference, they make a lot of references to to the first movie and to the trailers. So. The fact that they had an advertisement for this food, and then you watch this beginning of the second movie, and there they are eating the food is kind of cool. Yeah. And fucking billboard. There's so many billboards in this goddamn. Oh, feet. Seven feet. <laughs> Seven shots of feet. I'm going to feet count. No, but the thing is, Sydney is on the billboard, and that's the big deal. Every time they pass the billboard, they're cheering because she's – Right. Her stopped. name is – so she's a radio DJ named uh, Jungle Julia. Is that racist? Um, yes, I guess. Yes, it is. If you call an African-American anything with jungle, that is calling back to an ignorant time in which Africans were from Africa, you know. So, yeah, that's racist. Okay, yeah, I just, just wanted to agree. So, but that's her character's name, and these billboards say it. There's a lot of billboards in this movie, especially in the extended cut. They had a, uh, a movie poster, a billboard called Potheads, which, you know, what's the rush? We still have an hour before we get to that scene. <laughs> we'll see Potheads. We'll see that in this film. Yeah. The theatrical release for both of them uh, had edits in it. Like, you can see the scratchy film right now. Like, you know, it's, it's paying homage to going to the theater. And in fact, when I saw this in the Metreon, it started off with Robert Rodriguez's film project terror and it was scratchy and it was cut and i had a baby crying and i thought this is like a real true grindhouse experience why is up a woman brought a baby a real baby to the theater so there was an actual baby there well heads were getting exploded that baby cried throughout the film um now when i this film was on purpose damaged like the scratches were not like computer generated scratches they were actual you know, Quentin Tarantino oh. or whomever took a paper clip and scratched. See, Grindhouse wow. would go from theater to theater to theater to theater, literally tour the country, and they would get in pretty beat up shape. And that's what he was trying to do. 
They make a lot of acknowledgments. Like one of the things is that if some woman takes her top off, the projectionist will cut that scene out. And they do some jokes like that. I think in the first movie where a woman takes her clothes off and the scene gets cut or like it's super faded, you know, because, uh, but yeah, like if you were a projectionist who likes to relieve himself at home, you would cut those scenes out and make your own projector reel, <laughs> like a sizzle reel. <laughs> <laughs> I never even thought so that. This movie, <laughs> so this movie is like a dream for me because it's, if you've seen the movie, which chances are you have, it's basically the same story told twice. And that to me feels like a dream, especially like how the first story, the first one never ends, you know, yeah. and then ends in the way it does. The, the Grindhouse movie will show you a trailer, a fake trailer to a fake movie that will never come out. And you go, well, how is this grounded? I mean, talk about a dream. You're seeing a trailer to a movie that doesn't exist. Right. As a, you know, so, but also uh, the first fake trailer was for Machete. And uh, he actually, Robert Rodriguez actually made the movie and made a sequel. And they promised the third one, Machete Kills Again in Space. So, uh so yeah, one, it's one of the going to be a trailer, and then he decided, you know what, I'm making it. Yeah, and then at the end he teases a sequel, and then a third movie, and the second movie sets it up another kind of dreamlike film, because it just goes, and then it ends with him going off in space, fighting Mel Gibson wearing a mask. Uh, there's another trailer. Oh, yeah, just the cut. Okay, there's Kurt Russell following behind them. Now, I don't know enough about cars to let you know which one it is, but his cars are a, a 70 Nova, Chevy Nova, and a 69 uh, Challenger. Uh. Now, we keep seeing her. Uh, by the way, she's straight out of Brooklyn, and you can tell from her accent. Her name is Vanessa Ferlito, and we would know her from CSI New York, the television show. Like currently, like in the last uh, eight years? No, it was 2004. You know, there's all these CSI shows, and I guess that was her claim to fame. She's done this movie, a bunch of 2007 movies, and then that CSI series. Now, what's interesting to me is her first son was born September 21, 2007, so she is not a mother, as we're watching her here. She's about to get pregnant by her husband. And we know wow, it, she this... doesn't. <laughs> I never, you know what? This is a fresh take on this Quentin Tarantino classic. Now I know I can review this movie knowing uh, that. It changes the whole movie. Yeah. Yeah, because he's boozing. We, now they're giving a really long boring you know, setup. No. Now, first off, this is Austin, Texas, where, and we saw that movie house, the, the play, whatever it's called. You know, the Alamo Playhouse or whatever it's right. called? Draft House. And, of course, Tarantino during the 90s and, and the aughts would show movies there. And he – so near the that movie theater in this film is a bar where Tarantino's the bartender. And look at the fucking design. It's all Italian movie posters. Yep. And there's not real something life. like that with a magazine rack too. It's like all Quentin Tarantino uh, kind of things. Now, I want you to know that DJ uh, Jungle Julia here is telling that – she described um, Vanessa, her name's Arlene in the film. She described right. Vanessa to her audience 
and said if somebody comes up to her and says this poem, then she has to give him a lap dance. The first guy to do it, she has to give him a lap dance. So that's what we're learning. So her friend, and she's pretending to be a guy. So this is the first time one of these women speaks like a guy. In a she screen. is I'm pretending joking. to be a guy. Yeah. <laughs> So the guy writing a screenplay about a woman pretending to be a guy, who sounds like a guy pretending to be a guy. Now, I saw um, him on Conan doing an interview about this movie, and Tarantino was bragging about how well he does uh, female dialogue because he hangs out with the guys, he's talking guys, but sometimes he hangs out with like three or four girls, and if it goes on for hours, they kind of forget that he's there, you know? But I got to tell you, I'm listening to this dialogue and there's lots of sex and motherfucker and shut up. And I don't know. It just sort of seems like it is through a male perspective, you know. And um, Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's part of the fun, I guess, because it's a play on these 70s exploitation films, which were completely like that. Yeah. And don't forget, this is. Yeah, and also it's such an indulgence, and they were able to get it done because the Weinstein Company p produced it. So, you know, I don't hear him ever, you know, he'll say things about Harvey Weinstein, but Harvey Weinstein allowed him to do this, you know. Well, you know, so, Harvey know. Weinstein was a part of Hollywood, and he, okay, the thing is, he was inappropriate, he was akin to a rapist, and he's getting what he deserves and everything. But the thing is, Regardless of, I mean, he was Hollywood. He was how you got it done. Nobody was thinking that, uh, I don't know what to, what I'm saying. I'm saying like, you see a Woody this? Allen film and you know what he did with Sun Lee and you're like, blech. But if you see a Harvey Weinstein film, you're really just seeing Hollywood. Like it isn't like rejected because it's him. Yeah, well, so part of it is that the lure, the, the big beacon for him is that he has these A-list movies, these classic films from people like Quentin Tarantino. So I feel like Tarantino has always been a bit like he's, you know, you say, well, hey, what do you say about Hutton Clifford? He makes these great movies like Tarantino. And so he needed Tarantino to kind of hide behind him, you know, and the same with the other uh, big stars he had, you know. This film, like a... Uh, I don't know. There's Rose McGowan in this movie, and she is a callback from the first film because she yeah. is the star. Oh, and she's great in and Planet Terror. Uh, and then she shows up here as the victim. So she, she goes from hero. Like, role. if you do watch the original. No, but she's, she's the first victim. Like, she kind of kicks it off. And then, but you had just watched a 90 uh, minute movie where she's shooting people with a machine gun attached to her, her, to her like, leg. You know, like. Of all weirdness. Yeah. Well, it's you know that's another thing that I, I had a beef with this movie, and I liked what Tarant, uh, Rodriguez did was that they're making fun of they're they're calling back to this early seventies and and these gruesome movies they would show, and part of the reason why Times Square was showing these movies is kind of a reaction to the Vietnam War, right? I don't know if you ever feel that way, but like the grimy seventies movies is kind of a reaction to people fighting and all that shit. Well, and it was the when time. this came out. Well, this movie came out in 07, so there was war still going on. There was the Afghanistan War, the Iraq War. And I was when I see the trailer and I see someone with an amputee who immediately puts a machine gun on and is able to pirouette and shoot people, I go, don't you at least acknowledge what's happening right now? You know, uh, more yeah. leg shots. And 
Rodriguez in the beginning brings up the Iraq War, so it is part of of the uh, the funk, you know. So he does acknowledge war in it, and I, I thought like that at least grounds what the horror is reflecting. That makes sense. Sorry, man, I have a lot to say about this film. Okay, see this jukebox behind her? That yeah. is Quentin Tarantino's uh-huh. personal jukebox. It's named Ugly. Ace, believe it or not. Oh, man, cool. Unplug it. So Does it have a test breeze? <laughs> no, it's an old-timey one, and all of the records in there are his, and all of the labels are his handwriting. It's really... All it's Quentin Tarrant. The, the, the credits say special thanks to the jukebox, uh, Amy, and it's the same one was in the opening scene of Natural Born Killers in a diner. Oh, very cool. I, I remember that she dances to uh, Elsa. How sexy am I now? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is his bar, he's even the bartender here, yeah. and he's got a couple of his buddies. Uh, okay, so I love this is one of my favorite things in uh, uh, one scene. She's texting a producer, right? Like her uh, boyfriend's gonna come, but he never well, does. His name is Christopher, and she invites him out, and she's like, I miss you and I love you, or whatever she's texting. And she is a hard person. She's a bitch, shut up, bitch. You know, she's a hard ass. And th- her texts are very soft. And then when he doesn't come, she gets mad and texts that he's an asshole. Right. This is what I mean, like by like a dream, dream logic to this film. Like, doesn't that feel like a dream you would have, where you just you have this important call while you're out with your friends, and it just goes from call to text to you getting mauled by a car? Here's Eli Roth. <laughs> there is stuff in films in which it's like, oh, I've got to do that thing, and you're off to do it, and you never get there because you're yeah. distracted. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's. So she does uh, type. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, uh, so I'll, I'll say when she when she I, types it. She's going to text me too. Hurry. That's that old school texting. We have to press a number three times to get the letter R. Now in 2007, smartphones were just coming. The iPhone one was coming. It wasn't even out. So this isn't really so. Retro. It's kind of Hollywood anyway, potentially. You know, like, you never have phones that would have this kind of screen. Sending. Send. No, that's legit. I remember those, that interface and... That's like a movie with a typewriter where they type faster than the sound, faster than they're typing. I don't know. I don't buy it. So, well, also, do you remember it was like... Um, number one was ABC, and number two was you can see when she texts that it it does scroll through the letters, and she chooses her letters. Right. I should mention that she t- uh, texted the word "me too" in a Harvey uh, and then Weinstein something <laughs> movie. So, <laughs> was what I was if I could say anything about this two-hour movie, these are real-life okay. uh, roller derby girls who are part of the Austin scene. Isn't everyone part of the Austin scene, a roller, roller derby girl? Uh, there it is, Weasley guy. Roller I'm from Hollywood. Hey, I got my rules in my bar. Yeah, there we go. Should we, should we listen to him? Uh, go ahead. All we're hearing is drinking. All right. 
He's quoting his own movie. Oh, he loves himself. He's his own world. It's it's like uh, yeah. So he has his crazy rule. Yeah, he loves himself. He this yes. is his own bar. It's his own. He's made his own universe. He has the power to do so and has done so, and he just eats himself. Even you told me he was retired and we were seeing his last movie, and I was like, <laughs> no way. And then. He was, uh, he's doing some TV thing. Yeah, well, like, he, he said, I'm going to make ten movies, and I think that's what a director should do. Speaking of a director, here's Eli Roth, acting. He's a better actor than Tarantino. So he says, I'm going to make ten films and retire. I don't want to be, like, I don't know, fucking Billy Wilder, make, keep making old movies. Uh, and Hateful Eight is officially the eighth movie, and uh, Once Upon a Time is the ninth movie. So technically, right. the next film will be his last. Oh, there is one more. Yeah, one more is coming. Don't worry, he'll do something on Netflix. I think he should make 10 films, and then he should completely do a departure. A total, like, reinvent himself with a different genre, a different entire, like, filmmaking style and methodology. Reinvent himself. Then he could still be creative. Yeah, like make a romance. She's noticing the car that she saw, like watching them before. I love her accent. Why don't you put it on for a second? Okay. Like, to the rest of the world, she sounds real Brooklyn, but to me, she just sort of sounds like a local girl. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is Jersey, you know, you yeah. guys. and <laughs> Well, it puts the hair and this, this shirt with the, the vintage shirt, I guess. He's talking her into going to make out in the car. Yeah, which is funny because this is like the way the, these movies go and, you know, they, you know. So, did you know that this Jungle Julia, apparently there were three films in which there was the appearance of Jungle Julia. And the the first time was when you and I saw My Best Friend's Birthday. Right. Oh, he was the Jungle Julia, right. She was a DJ. Well, he gets a phone call and, like, I don't do requests. And the, the person is like... Um, it wasn't Jungle Julia, though. It was, uh, where is it? Uh, Unruly Julie is what the DJ's name Unruly was. Julie. And he was like, well, Unruly Julie can oh, do whatever man. she wants in her show. If you want to hear more about Quentin Tarantino's first yet unfinished movie, uh, you could, we, we did it in front of a live audience. We, we ripped that one. So uh, check out one of our earlier films. Uh, check out Let's Watch Full-Length Movie on YouTube.blogspot.com. Uh, once I update it to this year, man, it's going to be good. <laughs> I think I did it on – I better check that before I open oh, my mouth. Yeah. Well, you know what? Go to our YouTube channel. It's a good excuse anyway, as any and see if uh, it's posted. I think it was. I think both the hours were, were accounted for. Yeah. That live show. Let's take a look. Okay, yeah. yeah. It only had 31, 38 views. It was one month ago. Quentin Tarantino's ah. best friend's 
birthday. 37 views. Okay. How many views are for uh, They're Playing With Fire with uh, oh, a screen right. grab? And uh, playing With Fire. Um, let me check it out. I'll go to videos. I'm just going to say, like, Eli Ross, the director who acts in his film, and I think he acts he's a little better actor than Quentin Tarantino. He shows up in, in Glorious Bastards as the Bear Jew. Oh. Uh, 6.7 thousand, Mike. Oh my God! Just because of that screen grab, mm -hmm. she's in this very alluring uh, bathing suit. But not really. Mm. But not really. You you don't even see her bust. Um, huh? Most of these are make sense because it's all about sex, but some of them are inexplicable. Yeah. And we just saw. Um, uh, well, we've seen. Well, there's. Oh, so what do you think about Kurt, do you think Kurt, how much face uh, plastic surgery do you think Kurt Russell has? None. Did he have plastic surgery? I don't know, but look, I mean, he's a freak. He's got this giant forehead, like uh, forehead Maybe has, he has that work done. But I just, I just think he looks older. Um, yeah. So Quentin Tarantino, you know, I I read interviews, I watched interviews about this film, and like. He likes Snake Plissken, you know? He likes badass. Um, uh, you know, he, how can I put this? Like, he would go and watch... Uh, let's see. I've got some written down here. Well, well he, I'll uh, back to it, he but he missed this. the badass. Yeah. What's that? Well, I mean, if you have Disney Plus, he's uh, the adorable secret computer that wears tennis shoes. But he was in a bunch of John Carpenter films, you know, Snake Plissken and uh, uh, The Thing, where he was just badass, you know, throughout the 80s. Uh, uh, yeah, oh, sorry, I got dizzy just thinking about that. And, you know, if you're see, uh, uh, shit, the his, his Hateful Eight, as I mentioned. Uh, Kurt Russell re returns, and yes. uh, there's a lot of John Carpenter like plot twists, and they used a lot of music from uh, Sergio, uh, Sergio, not Sergio Leone. Uh, they used a lot of uh, uh, movie uh, soundtrack from previous John Carpenter movies. So he loves John Carpenter. Yeah. So hey, that's the woman from the first movie. When I saw this film, people were walking out. Like, I saw the theatrical release, really? like, by hour two and a half, people were done. You know, they just well, got up and left. Very little slasher stuff compared to the talking. You basically are a, a fly-on-the-wall-for-girls conversations throughout a m much of it. Yeah. Here it is. Uh, Quentin Tarantino says, I would open the newspaper and see an ad that says, Kurt Russell and Dreamer, or Kurt Russell and Miracle. And I'm not disparaging this movies, but I'm thinking, when is Kurt Russell going to be a badass again? Oh, right. Well, he's not a badass in this movie. He's a badass in the first half of the movie, and then he's a fucking cartoon character for the second half. Uh, now, look, he was not the first choice. He wasn't the first choice. This list is crazy. I kept 
Well, I kept telling Quinn, I don't want the role. And he kept calling me. And then I had talked to Samuel Jackson, and they're calling on behalf of a friend. I said, is it Quinn? And Jackson was like, I can't say. It just was like a nightmare, you know? You wouldn't. You know what it's like to get called from Tim Roth? Like, Tim Roth, why are you calling me? Oh, no reason. Hey, what you doing? You should do Quinn's new film. Like, I know, you know. He put you up to it. Okay, so Tarantino attempted to cast John Travolta. William Defoe, John Malkovich, Mickey Rourke, Mickey Rourke, Mike Spiegelman, Bruce Willis, and Sylvester Stallone. Wow, Sylvester Stallone turned down Tarantino? They were all unavailable due to prior commitments, and he settled for Kurt Russell. Well, I mean, Kurt Russell is his current muse. He's a narrator in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. as well as has a, a role in it. I, w- I could definitely see some of these names. I could definitely see John Malkovich being a creep. I could uh, let's see... show you Malkovich's impression. C- couldn't you see, um, like, Mickey Rourke would have been really creepy in this. Yeah, I'm surprised he turned it down. Maybe his his cute little dog passed away at that point. He wasn't. Now I gotta tell you, like <laughs> the the theatrical release, they intentionally cut out scenes, and then when the the movies were released separately as as uh, Weinstein yeah. Company DVDs with full length movie with additional material added. So the lap dance and the whole fucking Italian Vogue scenes are not in the theatrical release. Like I. Oh. I went to Best Buy. Full disclosure, I lived next door to Best Buy at the time, and I would go on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and I bought Planet Horror uh, uh, or whatever the one is, Terror. I still have it. And I bought uh, this one the day of, and I you know, watched those movies, and with the added scenes, I'm like, this is such a depressing lap dance. What the fuck? The, the Vogue shit. What's going on? Yeah. There's the and star of the first film. Rose McGowan. Yep. Yeah. She was a powerful hero in the first film. Let's see what happens in the Tarantino version. Now, there's the drug dealer. Let's, she's the popular? Finally. So, this one's saying that my boyfriend stiffed me. Can you give me a ride home? And she's like, being creepy charmed by, by uh, Kurt Russell. It's 30, creepy. Yeah. But she's she's feigning being charmed because she needs a ride. Yeah, and the age difference is insane. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, I wouldn't be able to talk to anybody. Well, sh- there's no. Oh gosh, I guess I'm wrong. I want to tell you there's nothing sexual here, but that can't be if she's so sexy. But I mean, later they he even it said she even says to the girls, you know, there's no way I'm sleeping with him. I think you're right. Yeah. I think there's some sex, uh, some implied sex here. Yeah, and also I just think the age difference. Like, I mean, it would be I don't know. Maybe you could be a sophisticated gentleman who could talk to ladies of all ages. You know, like, oh, that guy was a gentleman. But but this guy's kind of creepy though. Yeah. And there we go. And he, she brings up the age difference when she says to the girls, I'm not sleeping with him. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. 12? I don't know. 14 pairs? I, I'd lost count. 
of of feet. <laughs> yeah. Now, so like none of no action. None of these this car stuff is um, CGI. Uh, Tarantino in one of the interviews says um, CGI for car stunts doesn't make sense to me. How's that supposed to be impressive? I don't think there's any good chase since I started making films in '92. For me, the last terrific cha car chase was Terminator 2 and Final Destination 2. Final Destination 2, I haven't seen that one. Oh, Final Destination uh, is a horrible film. Um, one, I don't see two. What's that? I saw the final. There was one in 3D, and uh, they all go to a movie house that has 3D, and uh, it's real, like. Uh, 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 they get attacked by real mechanism. It isn't just the effects. They're like, look out, here comes these spikes. And it's like no spikes. And you watch it too. So, you know, so this movie is so long. We're half hour into it and you're like, you got your drinks and then the popular comes and they got to go smoke a bowl. And it's like a fetishized pipe in the West, you know. Yeah, out here. he this says this is akin to a slasher film, but we don't see anything until 45 minutes into the movie. That's when we see our first death. Well, I guess it's implied that these are the cheap movies that would drag it out, you know, drag out these things and kind of to ostentatiously build up tension, but also to just kill time and not spend money on actual slasher shit. Right now, Mike is giving his credits as a stuntman. And nobody's ever heard of these shows. He has this weird thing where he always has some women who look like they're from the 90s. Like these three women with the glasses. Uh -huh. And also if you're seeing Like don't they look like they should be at a 90s uh, coffee house? Just I know what you're saying, yeah. Open, like, yeah. I mean, this is like, let's go to Borders and uh, read books for free. Sounds great. <laughs> you know. We could go to the magazine stand and read all the magazines for free. Whoa, hi, can you imagine that? They don't care. Nope. This is like, he loves Austin. He's not in, he doesn't live in Austin, but he has a bar and he has friends. He's all, so if you ever see like Kill Bill, when they have the second one where they're at the bridal rehearsal, all the women look like they're from the 90s. I guess it's I have to see Kill style. Bill again. Listen, I did not enjoy Kill Bill at all. I just, I'm not a fan of these cartoon violence and i mean i did i don't know maybe i enjoyed it but what if it was a story about a man who gets a dog after his wife dies and he's driving around new jersey he just did a bunch of donuts in a, in a uh, airplane hangar yeah. and he's at a gas station and these russian mob guys are like we like your car and the guy's like okay it's not for sale. back in russian not for sale and the guy says, everything's for sale, bitch. And he goes, not this bitch. Anyway, so the guy drives home with his dog, and he lives in New Jersey like we do. And the Russian guys come, and they beat the shit out of him and kill the dog. And it once that the guy is actually uh, an assassin, former assassin. Did I miss anything? Uh, listen, I hate John Wick films. As a matter of fact, my son said, you've got to see it, Dad. So I got John Wick 1, and I didn't watch the whole yeah. thing. I quit. And and John Wick. Uh, I, you know, well, I mean, like, I I agree with you that I do love those movies, and since I've been uh, sheltering in place, I have a lot of my library copies of the trilogy, so I've been watching them a lot more than I should, and they all have a very like 
it's like more stuntman-y movie. You know, it's like a comic book movie. And even in the in commentary, they say this is a graphic novel kind of feel to it. It's so yeah, it's always about like, All right, know, let the, me say the, my piece here about John Wick, and I might have already told you this before. John Wick's beef was not with the Russian mob. John Wick's beef was with this individual person who killed this dog. That's what I want to say. Yeah, the son. Yeah, he was way wrong to take on the mob. They had nothing to do with it. And the the mob boss who was on the phone with him in the beginning was saying, John, be reasonable. And John Wick wasn't. He was wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> so he kills the son, but then he spends like the last 20 minutes destroying the, his dad's empire, right? Like yeah, the last half 40 minutes. Yeah, they could have in the movie, like, you know, the guy who killed your dog is dead, the end. You know, this is the first film since Pulp Fiction he did in all those years that didn't win awards. Oh, yeah. Well, this is kind of considered, like, this and I guess uh, Hateful Eight people will say, ah, oh, that's not my favorite Tarantino, but those are the ones I like. I mean, I like this film and the fact that it's really weird, you know. Tarantino it's, it's a, it's a, says of his collection of films, not that this is a bad film, he would never say something like that, but he says of his collection of films, this one is the worst one. Really? Didn't he see Once Upon a Time? Maybe because he didn't see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet. <laughs> that one wasn't so bad. Okay, Tarantino said Death Proof has got to be the worst movie I ever did. It's important to note that he was saying the worst movie I make, not saying that it was a bad movie, but that's the worst in his biography. Uh, his opinion. This is what I mean. This movie's bad enough that we're doing a whole show about it. It's a bad movie. I mean, no, no bones about it. It's it's poorly done, and well, you know, it's interesting because it, it's it, yeah. Okay. The fact that it really, really, literally looks like a 70s film is great, right? I mean, he got that right with the bleached out color and the scratchiness and the fact that there's no CGI in the car crashes. Right now, uh, Kurt Russell is calling her out on, he said the poem he's supposed to say for the lap dance, by the way. Right. I see London. I <laughs> I see Michael's <laughs> underpants. Here comes your lap dance, Robert Frost. It is Robert Frost? That's right. Yeah, I remember yeah. being reading that poem, and it said, um, uh, "Well, the girls in France, well, they don't wear any pants, <laughs> but they do wear grass to cover up their ass." Robert Frost. Robert Frost. <laughs> Your lap dance will be well, fire. Some say ice. I actually, I learned this poem in, in uh, college, and the, the textbook that I had had an asterisk at the end, and it says, this poem will get you a free lap dance at Austin, Texas. <laughs> now, Another thing Tarakita ripped there was a call, Big Trouble in Little China in 1986. There's a white tank top from it hung up on the bar. but I can, And it's right to the right of the uh, Amy jukebox, but I can never find it. That's another John Carpenter, Kurt Russell movie. Yeah. Yeah. So he, his obsession for about Kurt, I mean, he's, Kurt's a good actor in, all, in the three movies he's been with him. So it's like, 
It's that John Carpenter. Uh, Kurt Russell is a creep in this movie, but he's doing his role. He's doing exactly what was he was cast yeah. to do. <coughs> well, he does exactly what the director wants him to do. He's oh, like, I want you to behave this way, and then I want you to behave that way. So this scene was not in the theatrical release. It was added to the DVD and the, the other releases. Well, it it's 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 rated the third most uh the most sexiest lap dance in a horror film by some magazine. The internet thought that was important to tell me. Now, number two, Freddy was the takes Manhattan. Yeah. Look at the jukebox. There's a board, and to the right of that is the tank top from. Big Trouble in Little China. Ah, perfect. Let's listen to the music. Why you gotta be so rude? I'm gonna bury that girl. <laughs> bury her anyway. Bury her anyway. In my backyard. Mike, you know, I do, I mean, not currently, it's uh, COVID, but I do that on stage, that song. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm going I thought, to I, uh, agree. I thought you... Really, that's a sexy lap dance song, too, so it is. It's like it's pleasurable. Actually, let's listen to the song as you Okay. I got a pocket full of quarters that I'm headed to the arcade. Got a Pac-Man fever. Pac-Man fever. Oh, look yeah. at that. Yeah. This is not in the theater. theatrical release. And it's just kind of deadening. It's just kind of like the way it's shot. It's just like deadening. There's those '90s chicks. That '90s chicks. She's like, uh, where's my cappuccino? In Austin, ten minutes. She's like an actress because she's like pretending I'm not jealous. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, Shelly. So, what, what's the T-shirt she's wearing? Is it the Bay Bridge? Is it the Golden Gate Bridge? I something interesting. Don't know, but she's a Brooklyn person. I don't know that that would be her. Is it the Bay Bridge? Is he a Brooklyn person because the way she left him? That's no, more of a East no. Coast left hand. That's a female person. That's... Ooh. It's like, oh, I guess there are people watching the left hand. Show us the t shirt, Quentin. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I forgot when we go to strip clubs, we always look at watch TV or look at the stuff on the wall. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on the music. Okay. That's all right. You keep promising. Yeah. We built this city. <laughs> we built this city. I just don't find that structurally sound. Now so we're going to get they the... built this city? I'm not going to sleep with him stuff. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Well, this is Austin. It's not Hollywood. There you go. Go ahead. Are you listening? I'm listening. Oh, I, it froze up on me. Damn it. I got I got buffering, Carl. All right. So am I pausing? Yeah. Oh, this reminds me of the time I went to see Jackie Brown. I was on uh, Van Ness at the movie house. Mike, Mike, are you Mike? It's still buffering. Okay. Yeah. I'm at forty-two thirty-nine. So count me up. Okay, I'm you... at forty-two. All right, forty-six, thirty-six. 
39. All right. Now let's listen. All right. Well, it's too late. Well, anyway, it's right. too late. They accused her of going to sleep with him, and then she was making all these reasons why she's not, including his age. So she's a good girl. Right. He, he's the guy from Disney's Miracle. You don't want to fuck him. Right. That, uh, I, don't know, I never saw Convoy, but one of the trucks has a, a little uh, thing on the hood like that. The duck. So Tarantino yeah. was one time drinking in a hotel with Sean Penn. And Tarantino oh, yeah. saying that he wants to buy a Volvo because he doesn't want to die in some auto accident like the one in Pulp Fiction. And Sean Penn said, you could give any car to a stunt team and for 10 grand, for 15 grand, they can death proof it for you. And that was the first time it started going around and round in Tarantino's head, death proof. He ripped it off of Sean Penn. Yeah, I was all ready to make the movie called The Proof and start with Jack Nicholson and something terrible happens in four hours. Oh, boy. Now, so this is where the movie gets kind of creepy, right? This is where right. finally an hour into the movie. This is this. Stuntman's Mike Stunt Car. So, you know, this car can withstand a crash. Uh... You know, this is the kind of car, like a NASCAR or something, it's built that if th there's a crash, the driver won't die. He might get hurt, but he's not going to die. And so he's talking her into how safe she'll be because he won't be touching her <laughs> knee trying to get fresh because she's in this little cage. But he doesn't say that it's not the passenger seat that's going to, you know, him will mention later. Yeah, because it's interesting. Like, that's another thing. Like, this is Austin, Texas. Like, just any city USA say, there's going to be a guy like this with a car like this. It's just, you know. I mean, I guess that's the creepiness of it. But And why is he like, in Hollywood football. if he's a former stuntman? Right. He's done all these 80s movies. They still have this car. Oh, here's the big, ah, I was hoping you would say take a left turn. Right. If you take the left, we could go over to Nathan's hot dog, which is on the left side. But now we got to go over to Carl's a Jr. And I hate that second kid of Carl's. Ah, don't get me started. <laughs> now you have to get no, immediately. Yeah. And then now it looks like a 70s movie. Finally, something happens, and it's, and it's the hero of the first movie getting killed, the woman of the first movie. She was the hero, not that's Rose that's... McGowan. Isn't that Rose McGowan? And oh, a, and a... It is, and I got it wrong. Ow! Ow! Let me let me check. Terrible. Hey, 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 Google. Does Rose McGowan die in Death Proof? Damn fucking mini radio studio <laughs> voice assistant. Oh, shit. Oh, uh, yeah. Here we go. Like, dizzy, bon you know, beat up. <laughs> and now she starts to plead, like, if you let me go, 
I won't tell anybody because this is just your funny joke, right? The audience is saying the same thing. Like, listen, you know, can you let us go? Yeah. This is just your funny thing. Yeah. So you said some people this is the audience. out. Oh, yeah. So, you know, there was some true heart. So part of it is that there was two movies in a row, and it came out on Easter weekend. And uh, so people were just kind of done. But not this scene, but when they cut to the second set of women and they start talking at a diner, yeah. people were just leaving. People were done. Wow. And then that, was, that was a scene where about two-thirds of the audience just left. It was empty by that point. And that yeah, just killed the, the headliner had to follow that. Can you believe it? He's like, what happened? Why'd you put that guy before me? <laughs> Boom! Ow! Ow! It's so terrible. Now, I think that Quentin missed the the missed something here. I think what should have happened is that Rose McGowan dies in the crash itself. But maybe he wanted um, to do, you know, a you know, a double whammy. Right. Yeah, well, you, you show how sinister a guy named Stuntman Mike. And then he has these stupid photos. He gets rid of these photos, so it's like no evidence that he knew about right. those girls. He just threw them there by the crash. The upcoming crash. Crash. Oh. I don't know who she is. It's kind of blurry. Oh, look at the feet. Yeah, this is kind of gratuitous, too. So then we have like 17 and a half pairs of feet in this so far because there's only one bare foot being shown. They're fucking stoned and drunk. Yeah. And someone's going on and on and on about some 60s fan of some celebrity. Hey, wait a minute. This song that they talk about, I think, are the sons of like the Rat Pack. So it's interesting to say that the Sybil Cheryl Ladd's daughter. Anthony Poitier's uh, daughter are in this movie because they listen to a song of uh, celebrities' uh, children sing, sing their own song. Let me see if we get that point. Now we're going to hear the Wilhelm scream when they crash. Oh, good old Wilhelm. Yeah. He said he should donate every, all, every royalty scream to charity. You know, he's making money off of agony. Like every time a song trooper gets shot by a laser beam. Oh, here's the song. Yeah, like Ricky Dicky Tiki and Dookie. Oh, here I'll I'll play the music. Why you gotta be so cool? Don't you know Dickie I'm cute? Cheryl Ladd's daughter. Her premiere was three years old on Charlie's Angels. Interesting. I left you a baby. Take care of it for the weekend. Right. What Charlie? Yeah. Now, this is Austin, Texas, I guess, on the, out on the outskirts. And he's real sinister now. Like, he has a real rubber face in this movie, especially at the end where he turns into, like, why he coyotes, but here he's, like, sinister. You know? Yeah. And where the audience like, come on, show the shot. And it's such a, like, I don't know, he he hates women in this, the, the villain, right? He hates these women. They kill them. Well, I think it's something sexual, because that's what the cops think, and there is a scene that they take out here. I'll tell you after the crash. 
The crash is horrific right. and it's awful. I know, and then he, he fetishizes it because he shows you different angles and shots, you know, and I guess yeah. it's supposed to be like the old school film. Over and over, like it 80. shows you the crash. Like an 80s film, something explodes three times and there's different angles of the explosion in the end. But here it's like it shows the complete crash in one angle and then the complete crash in the second angle and the complete crash in the third angle. Yeah. On then I'm Boom. There goes the leg. There's the warm leatherette. Warm leatherette. Feel the driving steel yeah. of the steering wheel on warm. That's a leg. And there it is. It's a dream. She closes her eyes. And, Not really. Yeah. No, it's just a tire to her face. So the, the head's still there. I guess you're right. Now, there's a scene that they took hair. out here in which yeah. right now Kurt Russell begins to masturbate. Interesting and gross. And it got cut. Okay, so this is the character from the first movie. Now they're in the hospital where the zombies is at. This is, of course, prior to. And her dad is a character from, from Dust of Dawn. Uh-huh. She's actual... So uh, the late Michael Parks is in this movie. His son plays his son, and his daughter plays his daughter. So there they are, the whole family, the Parks family. And he put Earl McGrath, or whatever McGraw, whatever he's supposed to play, he's in the beginning of From Dust to Dawn, where he talks to the guy at the... Did you ever see that movie? There's a gas station yeah, where he Dust comes to into Dawn, the park. Yeah, Dust to Dawn, 96, and he's the sheriff. Right, and he says, like, don't eat at that place because the mongoloid touches the food, I think is the, is the line. And he gets killed. The Clint Tarantino and George Clooney shoots him and he catches on fire or whatever, and they blow up the gas station. So he's dead in From Dust to Dawn, but he shows up in Planet Terror, and then he shows up in the second movie. So this yeah. is the character from the first movie. Well, first okay, no, the, the son was the sheriff. This this son James Parks was the sheriff in Dust Till Dawn yeah. two, and he gets killed. Yeah, uh, Texas Blood Money, and then yes. in From Dust to Dawn three, The Hangman's Daughter, Michael Parks plays Ambrose Burch of the Devil's Dictionary. Mm -hmm. Don't you know? As as one would know. So yeah, and Parks was I don't know like he was this, I've never seen the TV shows they keep referencing about this guy like. He was in the six, a lot of 60s stuff, and he's in a hippie, uh, pretty cool a little film where he's a young Michael Parks, but I've seen him in Tuck, I've seen him in uh, Red State, and I've seen him in these movies. And Kill Bill. These two were the ones in Kill Bill that show up to the church massacre. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to mention, let me see if I can find it. There's, there was an article in Screen Crush. Uh, it was, AV Club recently talked about that proof, and they mentioned this article, and I went and took a look. And he's saying, like, re-watching Death Proof after hearing the news about Uma Thurman's car crash and Kill Bill. Uh-huh. I don't know if you – so Uma Thurman opened up to, I guess, New York Magazine, but she said, you know, she talked about Harvey Weinstein and how he treated her. And he also brought up that in Kill Bill 2, she was in a car crash. Like, Clint Tarantino wanted her to do her own stunt. And it's the second hour, and she just met Michael Parks, the pimp. Uh, that's what reminded me. And she drives off and she hits a tree or something, or there's a crash. Mm -hmm. And he wanted her in the shop, not a stunt person. And she did it, and she actually got into a crash in a tree, and she did the permal 
to obtain permanent pain or like some spine injury. Oh. And they, you know, and that was the last film they did together. Although Uma Thurman's kid shows up in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So the Screen Crush article is great. If you have a chance to read it, it's, uh, says that, like, how can you watch this film knowing what he did to Uma Thurman, you know, like, knowing what happened, how does that change your view of this film, where these mm-hmm. women get killed like that, at his, leaving his bark? Pretty negatively. Yeah, I agree. Talking over Michael Parks, that's probably the best part. Like, this guy, this whole feature, like you're saying, like, the sick butt skin and all, not in my case. Yeah. That's right. He's going, I'll make sure it never happens in Texas again, but it's he's letting him go, essentially. Yeah, and then he goes to Tennessee. Now, this is the only Quentin Tarantino film that's in order, chronological order, and has no flashback in it. Oh, yeah. That's probably why it failed. There's no chapter, chapter one. Uh, Jungle Julia, chapter two. Yeah, right. They go to a film. Quentin's place. Yeah, it's a nice little long dialogue. And this is, you know, up. Oh. Womp womp. Womp womp. 14 months 14 later, months so we're later. in chronological order. Right. There's still Picard showing the, uh, Captain Picard showing the, the time. So this scene was not in the theatrical release at all. All this shit. There's the potheads. Uh, yeah. Uh, Although I do want to go to, to Circle A and get some big red cola. That looks pretty good. <laughs> Maybe some big tackle. This is where, like, when I watched the DVD after seeing the theatrical release version, I said, what am I watching? This is so cartoonish. Like, this whole scene, like, like the, his character keeps changing. Like, he gets softer and more ridiculous and more powerless. And, like, he loses his cool with these guys. But what he does here is just so, you know, well, he loses his cool after he gets shot. Right, in a big way. But the fact that he goes and licks the guy, yeah, uh, ninth and a half pair of feet, they she's gonna lick those feet in this. Well, she whole he touches scene. with his hands her feet. You notice how we're in black oh. and white now? Yeah. Well, he did that in Kill Bill, where the fight scenes are in black and white. Because they used to to censor the film with a lot of blood, they would turn uh-huh. the film to black and white. But this might just be like a cheap, like this movie's so cheap they did it. I should mention something. There is a movie called Stunt Rock, which I saw on TCM Underground. When I first saw this movie, I said, "How can this film be a '70s uh, homage where a stunt woman from like uh, you know down under plays herself?" She there does. was a movie in the '70s called Sunrock, where a Australian uh, stunt man plays himself going to L.A. doing stunts and rocking out with a uh, theatrical D&D metal band. Like, they would do these, like, theatrical stage presentations. So it would be, like, live kiss wannabes and then the stuntman doing stunts in L.A. So there was a president. There was an actual Grindhouse movie with an Australian stuntman playing himself. So, you know, if anything you Quentin Tarantino was like, I want to cast you in a film as an actress, not just a stunt person. And she had no idea. She thought she would just be some extra or cameo. She didn't know herself until she saw a mocked up movie poster of the movie that she was going to be a star. Now, who are we talking about? 
We're talking about the stunt woman, um, uh, oh, yeah. Chloe Bell. Chloe. Yeah. Yeah. She was the uh, Kill Bill. She was uh, Uma Thurman's stunt lady, stunt person. Yeah. With that screen crush, uh, screen crush article keeps going off about, like, well, he could get an Uma, but he got the stunt woman, you know, like, but. This whole scene is ridiculous. This is like this is like New Jersey to me. Just hanging outside the big A. Maybe get a fountain drink or a hot coffee. It looks um like Jersey, not North Carolina. What? Because, I mean, because of clerks or something. Because hanging out in front of like the all night twenty four hour store is like any state USA. You're right. And also, it says bait and tackle. I don't think that's Jersey. Yeah, you're right. Maybe the the fishing counties. Yeah, look at it. All right, he's got touch the feet. That's how he licked it. Maybe in the version I have. Got to get a gratuitous coffee shot in there. Love drinking coffee. I like a pack of big red cigarettes with a coffee. The Quentin so Tarantino movie after all. And why wouldn't yeah, a cigarette be smelled? Or the other woman in the car noted be noticed notice the guy. Oh. Sorry, I dropped my pencil. A couple more seconds of the feet. Oh you're right, it's not the time. There must be one person who said, Thank you, Clinton Tino, for this movie. I finally can uh yeah, she doesn't even check. Yeah, there's cigarettes smell. Incidentally, she's wearing a mask. Yeah, see, I told you, he's going to lick the foot. There you go. Oh, I guess he licks live on his finger. And then rubs it on her foot. Here are my keys. Yeah, it's classic. There's that pencil. Oh, there's my upskirt camera. It was on the ground the whole time. It was under your desk the whole time. <laughs> now, this actress in the front seat, um, uh, Mary Elizabeth. I never can remember her name. Uh, Mary Elizabeth. Yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And the reason I recognized her face is because of Die Hard. She played Lucy, the daughter, in the same Die Hard film oh. that came out in 2007. Yeah, and she is in Birds of Prey. She is, uh, I guess, the kid called the Crossbow Killer. Mm -hmm. That's not my name, but the Huntress. <laughs> and she's in Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah, she's great in that. Yeah, she's great. Like, if she's in, oh, you know what? They ever see that Cloverfield movie, the second one? She's really good in that. And there's Rosario Dawson, who's in a lot of good stuff. Yeah, so the second set of women are, are uh, I guess, a better set pair of actors. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Now, we know this woman, Rosiar Rosario Dawson. Okay. We know her yeah. from Men in Black. <laughs> And um, we also know yeah. her from that Clerks 2 kind of film. Um, yeah. But for me, I think it was called... <clears throat> she was in a movie that almost nobody knows. It's called Eagle Eye, 2008. Did you did you see Eagle Eye with Shia LaBeouf? Yeah, and uh, Michelle Monaghan, right? I think she's in that. I love that film. I, have, 
Well, the computer, it's AI, right? And it thinks that the the government is a threat to the government. So it, oh, we're in color again. It's a Kill Bill color. Yeah. That super police switch, uh, jumpsuit. This is what I mean about Quentin Tarantino. He's so into himself. He pay, he he puts he pays homage to himself in all his films with the same cigarette brand and and uh, you know all these references to. It's it's like it's well, his own little the, bubble. But okay. Well, that's the thing. So the sixty-four thousand dollar question is: What does it signify? Ultimately, what does it signify? It just goes up his own ass. Yeah. But I, I guess it's the universe. But that's the thing. Like, from, uh, from dusk to dawn was vampires. So Earl McRae is not in the. He, you know, Tarantino is blathers about how he has a movie universe where, like, what kind of movie would the Reservoir Dog guys see? They would go see from dusk to dawn. Yeah. So from dusk to dawn is a movie zombie. So it's not true. And even if the Rodriguez movie beforehand is about zombies, say. So that's not true, but it has that the, the characters in it, and so they show up. He shows up in this. Oh, there's shock cinema. Look at this. What well, fucking Seven Eleven has shock cinema? That's the right. thing I always this read. This is Tarantino's world. Yeah. So she goes get a lure because I'm in a lure this month. Right. There she is. She looks great. Very professional. None of this is in the theatrical release. Can you imagine watching like one movie and then have to watch this scene? Yeah, capital W is red apples for ladies, except for women. <laughs> so now uh, he's like, hey, I've got Italian, you know, I've got other magazines, fashion magazines back here. I've got Italian Vogue. Right, which they do in Lebanon, te- uh, Tennessee, all the time. Like, you go to any gas station, they always have in the back an Italian Vogue. He drops Italian Vo- Vogue right now. She stops in her tracks and turns. This month's copy? Meanwhile, there's like a, a rack of chew, like that. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Like, what fucking liquor store has a, a Italian Vogue in Shock Cinema in Lebanon, Texas? Uh, well, that's what uh, Lucy McLean says here. And he goes, "No, it's his personal collection. He's got it behind. He's selling it for twenty-one dollars. We're splitting it three ways." Oh. Oh, really? They're going to pay $8 a piece? That's a ripple. <laughs> so I should just tell you a little something about these cars. The front the front plate on Stuntman Mike 70, so, 70 Nova has the same characters as the 68 Fastback Mustang driven by Steve McQueen in Bullet. Oh, all right. I duly noted. It's a San Francisco film with one of the greatest car chases ever, Bullet. Did you? No, I see that movie. I have that. I watched that movie like I've seen it a dozen times. I love that film. It's a great film. It's not just the car chases. They go over to like uh, Grace Cathedral. I mean, there's some some cool shots in the old Mercadero Freeway is uh, where the apartment is. He's keeping the the witness at. Plus, Steve. The older scene right now. Badass, you know. This scene here is really gratuitous. It's like I feel like they just shot it for the trailer. Like you see this in the trailer and you go, I want to see this film. And then when you see the film, it's like it's just this, the wholesale scene from the trailer just thrown in there. 
I guess it's his pattern. He first takes pictures of the girls that he wants to kill. Uh, now we're back to the scene where they so, uh, none of that that's such a long film. Why did we had to watch them go take a Wikipedia gas station before I know, and this whole long thing of okay, so they've picked up Zoe from the airport and Zoe's playing herself. And I'm not clear if she's from New Zealand or Australia. Uh She's from Australia. See, that's the thing. Obviously. When they're in the diner, he's, she says you're from Australia, and she goes, you never call a person from New Zealand from Australia. I don't know. They're, then she's like, just kidding. No, I'm from Australia, I is. And I, I just can't tell what's the truth. Of course, I should have I they go to a store. They go to a liquor store that advertise the most obscure stuff like GOGs. And they go and they buy it. They, you know, like, they don't stop and buy a Coca-Cola. It's always the weird brand they but make. But they it. did drop Red Bull, remember? Uh, it sounds like you saw this film. Geo Juice is the fake one, but Red Bull was real. Oh, that's true, at the bar, right? Oh, no, they oh, were drinking right Red Bull. There. Yeah, you're right. Uh, she goes, get me cigarettes and Red Bull. And they're, like, out of Red Bull. They have Geo Juice was uh why is tarantino making us get to know these people in the same manner than the person because it's a dream it's a dream it's, this is how dreams go it's just, you know you have a long story about people you don't really know or care they have a horrific death after an hour and then you repeat your brain just kind of regenerates it and then we see the same exact thing it's not even just them driving it it's them driving to the place where they go sit and keep talking I should also let you know that uh, the 69 Charger has the same American racing vectors on the General Lee from Dukes of Hazard in 79. It's oh. also a 69 Charger. Huh. Oh, very cool. And the 69 Charger is the same model car in bullets. Um, you know what? I wish I knew. I take it back about this movie. Now that you told me that, it really helps this film. <laughs> I'm running out of things to say about the film, so I'm trying to get to the stuff I didn't well, I know. I know that's what you did. So, listen, our our show is called Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube. There's some movies where it helps to have someone in the room with you. So we'll watch this movie together. We'll make it through. Some worst movies you can't sit through by yourself, but maybe you can, you know. I don't know. I'm going to run out of things to say in an hour or two. Yeah, really. Right now they're doing a bunch yeah. of sex talk. Uh, they, they, you know, she wants to know who's getting it and how's, you know, what are the stories. She wants the dish. And we're learning about, you know, um, we're, we're learning that she's not sleeping with this guy so that she can be a girlfriend and not just some hussy. Um you know, uh, is this Christian And she's mad because she he slept with somebody else on her birthday. I don't know. It's just blah 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 blah. We don't need to know this. I don't know. Well, it's funny because like what happened to Christian Simonson or whatever the guy that she the first pair, uh, first lady was uh, Shamal Julia was texting. Well, we never met him at all. Uh, there was a phone call. There was some texts. It had nothing to do with the story. It didn't even, like, set her up to be grouchy, which led to something else. 
It was just gratuitous, just for no reason. And now we're doing it again with these guys. They're just talking about boys. Yep. Yeah. And they say stuff like, He's sleeping with a stunt. The with um, he slept with Uma Thurman's stunt double, and the joke is that's what Ooh. Zoe was playing. So right. Tarantino's eating himself again. Yeah, probably eat itself. All right, well we got a couple more minutes before they get to the diner, I guess. Yeah, it's the next exit. It's the next exit. Oh, you missed it. All right, well take the next exit. And then take a left and then go under the underpass and go back out to the freeway. Yeah. And then uh, when you see the next, the previous exit, get off of there and then circle back so we're going eastbound again. 45 more minutes of this film. I know. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I didn't. People were leaving. Like, by the time they got to the diner, the last of the people left. <laughs> and it was even the baby walked out. The baby crawled out of it. Yeah. He was like, I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> the baby provided there. I did that joke on stage, and uh, it only lasted like one weekend because you know no one really could. It, it was the moment it passed. Yeah. But the original theatrical release version, with the two movies edited the way they were and the movie trailers, has never been officially released. Right. Oh. Like I've never seen the DVD. Well, you can't go to Hulu and see it. You know, I mean, Netflix has the Hateful Eight as a mini series, where they kind of drag it out with opening credits and added maybe a couple more minutes of scenes but this this is the part where like people left but if you watch you can see stuntman mike so without the whole foot fetish thing this is the first time in the the second half of the movie in the theater where you see the stuntman and you go oh he's going after it that camera stuff was added later that was never in the original oh i well he talked this is the first time so let's watch mike now what one more person there it is yeah See, he's yeah. watching them. There he is, black shirt. And he's going to disappear, by the way. So this is like, yeah. So this is the first connection to the first half of the movie is that he shows up. But people were leaving. I remember people because leaving. The, the phone. You see, that all wasn't added later. It was the other way around. Okay, so here's Tarantino talking about it. On the editing of Death Proof, there's a half an hour difference between my Death Proof and what's playing in the Grindhouse. I was like a brutish American exploitation distributor who cut the movie down almost to the point of incoherence. I cut it down to the bone and took off all the fat to see if it still could exist, and it worked. An extended 127-minute version of Death Proof was screened in completion at the 60th Cannes Film Festival. It works great as a double feature, but I'm excited, if not more excited, about actually having to see the world see my Death Proof unfiltered so two hours and 127 minutes that's two hours yeah so the grindhouse one was just over he said it was 30 minutes more so that means it was 90 minutes 90 minutes in the grindhouse Uh, it must must have been it must have been 78 minutes i mean it it didn't have the lap dance it didn't have the italian vogue scenes at all Mm -hmm. yeah you're right but you're right. No, you're absolutely right. It must have been about 90. I think they both did almost about But they both did like, I don't know, because there was a lot of scenes that are on the DVD for Planet Terror that wasn't in the Grindhouse either. So it kind of filled out itself to 97 minutes. But uh, a lot of the scenes were cut. But this is all fat. Like, what's he talking about? I cut out the fat and just gave him bones. This is well, not, now this is like the pet peeve of yours, 
Now she's telling yeah. about how she got the Tennessee newspaper in New Zealand or Australia. You you don't like that. All right. So the whole point of this is that she's a stunt woman. She's sat from Australia. Let's just call it. And she says, when I'm in Australia, I knew we were going to be. I would be shooting a movie in Lebanon, Texas, Tennessee. So I subscribed to the print edition of the local Lebanon uh, Daily Sentinel, and it was sent to my house to Australia, mailed this newspaper every day because I go into the car classified, the right. you know the automobile classified your know, daily newspaper. Uh, if you don't believe me, go walk to the store and wait in line and get one, and then uh, or stay indoors and then uh, have it delivered. So she has it delivered, and she sees what she's looking for, the 1970s blah, 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 the white car from that pompous movie from 1970, uh, Vanishing Point, Vanishing Point. Uh, yeah, it was a Primal Scream album, and they had a song called Vanishing Point, Vanishing Point. So she's saying, I found the guy who has this exact car, and I want to go get it, and he happens to live right by the chute. Right. Or no, in a deserted park. And, and we should also mention that Mary Elizabeth has been wearing a cheerleader costume this whole time, but she's not a cheerleader. She's just wearing it because she's an extra, or that's her character's theme. Right. And there's – this movie, which is what this says. It doesn't – yeah. So I went and looked at the trailer of Vanishing Point after seeing this film, and it looks pretty good, Mike. Well, if it's on, I've seen it a couple of times. It's it's not, you know, there's a Brinsky Point and Vanishing Point, and uh, there's another car movie. I think Vanishing Point is the one where this guy does a cross the country road trip, and uh, Cleveland Little, the DJ, who's like, he made it across Kaczynski. Yeah. He made it. He made it to another state, and you know, some uh, practical stunts. So yeah, this whole thing is one take and the shot. So we've seen some in Mike twice so far. Yeah, I, uh, he I I keep waiting for the camera to pan around again, and I think he's he's he disappears. He goes out. He finishes his meal, I guess. Yeah, looks like a restaurant with a homemade sign put there. Please don't steal our yogurt. Oh yeah, so she found the newspaper. So one day I get you know. By the way, I've been spending three hundred dollars to get this newspaper sent to Australia, and then lo and behold, here's the car ad. Oh wait, turn on the sound. Yeah. Turn on the sound. Turn on the sound. Oh, she's so, from Auckland, New Zealand. She said, "Okay, so she's from New Zealand." Okay, thank you. So it's it's settled. She was rocking and reeling in Auckland, New Zealand. She plays Prince, herself. My yeah, and I was just talking because I was like, "Wait a minute!" There was an Australian, you know, like it doesn't make. I never heard of any seventies movies that has a stunt person playing themselves, and sure enough, there was. And the guy was from Australia, so I've always walked that back. And there's stuff I learn every time I watch this movie. I mean, Zoe Bell's good in this movie. Yeah, I think so. There's some bad acting in this one part. I just don't believe their conversation is genuine. But other than that, I think that it, she does a really good job. And I, I don't think it's her yeah. fault. I think it's the chemistry between the two uh, actors. Hey, there's guy from Blues Travelers. Okay, let's see if Mike <laughs> is gone. Nope, Mike's still there. Okay. Yeah, 
He's not going to turn around now. I'm having some eggs. Oh, oh no, he's done now. He's paying his He's leaving. Thanks, buddy. Check it out. Beat in the Bear, Season 2, Episode 4. Yeah, that was BJ my truck. Did VJ bring the bear? Did the bear bring the VJ? That joke never gets old. Oh, I can go for some coffee. Look at the coffee in the back. That looks great. Yeah, I, I tried I was craving to get a VJ from the bear. I lost my dick. <laughs> Don't ever try no, it. I thought it was a thing. Well, I, mean, I thought it was a thing. Oh, VJ is uh, named after uh, – no, the, he names the monkey the bear because it's named after a famous football coach, his nickname. All right, so here we go. This is another thing that drives you crazy. This actor was in Kill Bill. He was the rapist in the beginning. Uh, my name is Buck. Uh -huh. And uh, I believe he's the actor in Valley Girl. Like he's the uh, the boyfriend. Wait, this but guy is my name is Buck. I like to F. It's that guy? Yeah, right, right. Uh... Yeah. So he already played a uh, he played a rapist in the movie. So they say, here's the car for collateral. We'll leave my friend who happens to be dressed like a cheerleader. Now, look, this is Tarantino always does this thing where it's looking down into the trunk, and this time yeah, he right. did it from the hood. Well, there was a rat in the engine, so he didn't want to do it from the. Oh, right, he did it from the hood to the trunk. Gotcha. There was a rat in the engine. That's why it it has a rattle. Yeah, you know, if you never drive your car because you've been sheltering in place, you got to check your car for like rats and sleeping cats and like. That's a Frisco problem. <laughs> this is the scene. Well, yeah, the, this is the scene I was talking about. It's their dialogue is very forced, and it just doesn't seem like it's a genuine conversation. Oh my god! Right. Well, I don't know. And this is talking about the the mask, the half mask, or the kooky mask, or the yeah, in which she uh, sits on the hood of the car as it's driving, with uh, hanging on to a belt. Now, from the time they start getting chased by Kurt Russell until it ends, it's twenty right. minutes. Ridiculous. Or we have to wait twenty minutes to see it. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, from the. From the time the girl's Challenger initially takes off to where Stuntman Mike's Challenger rolls over, thus ending the chase, the total elapsed chase sequence is 20 minutes and 11 seconds. So, yeah. Okay, so the part in which she's on the hood isn't 20 minutes. I just think that part is really long and unrealistic. Not that we're going for realism, right? But... Right. Well, think of the circumstance. So she gets a newspaper from New Zealand, uh, from Tennessee, that says, here's a car from Vanishing Point. They drive over. They use uh, uh, their friend dressed as a cheerleader as, as kind of a, a collateral. And then they say, I only want this car to do this crazy stunt. They say, uh, no, I'll rub your feet. Okay. Da, da, da. Yeah. It better I'll be, be a good rub. Yeah, I'll be your slave. And then... Uh, they do it, and then suddenly Wile E. Coyote from the first hour of this movie shows up from Lebanon, Tennessee, and, and chases after them. 
And we were like, that's a great taste. I said, what an artificial, inorganic way to say this, to get this taste that exists. You know, like, you could, why uh, go through all this? You know, I assume let's, you know, Final Destination 2, oh, no, death is chasing me, and I'm on the roof, you know. And yeah. That's it. That's the only reason. Don't need it, but this one is like so convoluted. So yeah, this whole thing has kind of a rapey vibe to it, creepy vibe. And they're gonna leave her friend there, and he walks up like yeah, waist level while she's getting. So it's it's really bad form of them to sacrifice their friend. Yeah, I mean we don't really see her ever again. She doesn't come out of the car and kick the some man from Mike's ass at the end. That's right. She's not in the final. So um, yeah, well, she, we, next time we see her, she's um, uh, Lucy. Uh, what's his name? John. John. What's his name in Die? Oh, yeah, John. John McLean. Yeah, yeah. Lucy McLean is the next time we see her. So I guess she lived. Yeah, she marries uh, Justin Long, if I believe correct. Who did she marry? Justin. Justin Longstrong. From those uh, Mac and PC ads, right? Isn't that? I don't know. No. No, I think he's the son. That would be. Oh, that's gross. That would be incest. He has a son. The I think is, he's I I looked up. Okay, I did look up these people, but I don't know. I'm not interested. So I didn't write down to. I was interested in the stunt uh, woman and Rose. Uh, let me just let me pull up these names so I'm talking. Okay, I w- I researched uh, Cheryl Ladd's daughter because that was interesting, and she was in Saved by that. the Bell, an episode. Yeah, she... Here's your coffee, Zach, uh, Screech. Right, and she was in 1999's Never Been Kissed with um, that child actress. Yeah, and I don't know. Played, I didn't oh, find right. much interesting about these people, so. And I blame Quentin Tarantino for that. Oh, you know that these people, well, I mean, like, that some people don't get roles after being in their movies? I mean, no, some I'm people just saying like, that, like, t- right now, the whole thing about them talking her into talking to the guy and using what's-her-name as collateral, it's just, it doesn't serve the plot. It's not great on its own that we should be interested in watching this. So I just sort of didn't look these people up because Quentin Tarantino made them duds. Yeah. Well, even like the first set of actors, the women in the first half of this movie, like a lot of them I don't see in other stuff. I don't see them in other movies, you know, and I feel like maybe this movie kind kind of set back some people. Well, Cheryl Ladd's daughter went away, and uh, yeah. Vanessa Furlow, she did CSI in 2007. She went away after this film. Of course, she had a child. Uh, Sidney Poitier's child went away. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't say right, this film yeah. killed their careers. Maybe it's just a coincidence. Well, so she has the magazine this week. Okay. I just guess they. And he, she says it's a porno. Right. So this is thank God we had this, the pothead uh, 
uh, scene because you, you have no reason why she's reading Allure. Why? What do you mean by uh, that? Well, because when I was in the theater, I was like, what's with the magazine? What was the origin story? How, what what story, the community story did it get it from? The cheerleader she's is just, in it, and she's he's going to show Buck. Oh, right. Yeah, I got you. I remember. Now, in fairness yeah, to her, she doesn't know that Buck likes to fuck. But it's uh, unfortunate to, uh, to Quentin Tarantino fans. We recognize that he used the same actor for a guy who played a rapist. Yeah. And we put them in this circumstance. So, and in fact, it's funny because it's not funny, but in Planet Terror, the, the movie beforehand, Quentin Tarantino plays a rapist in the Robert Rodriguez movie. You know, that's a real theme of your show, Mike. I got to tell you. And there is no Star Trek connection. There's always a rape connection. You pick our movies. Okay, here we go. Here's the scene. Speaking of which, here's what we're talking about. See, look, she sees him waste. You don't see his face. You just see his crotch. Yep. And then she says, go. Here we go. The dialogue they just gave is from a fame, is from a commercial from Ronco. Um... It's just another inside Tarantino joke. And the Simpsons did it. I, Mr. Microphone. That's I will pick correct. you guys up later. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Like, Microphone, you're, you're exactly right. Hey, good looking. Those things are great. I, you know, if you live next to the Flanders, you can pretend you're down on the radio and they can walk into walls. It's a neat trick. Yeah. But listen. Don't drop them in a well, because then you're gonna it'll say property of Bart Simpson on it, and you being Bart Simpson, you have to go to the well to pick it up, and then you actually fall into the well. Now this is kind of good because this is her being scared to do it. She's never scared to do it until the second she's about to do it, and she still forces herself to do it. And I bet you this is autobiographical of her real experience she's about to do a stunt it's no problem at all she's been preparing for the stunt she's all ready to do the stunt then just the second before she's going to do it she's like am i stupid (laughs) right by the way you guys are standing by the way what it's stupid to have a conversation in the middle of the road because a car might come and hit you so, yeah, they answer your question. Anyway, so, by the way. You see the pumpkin fields? Uh, what yeah. I was saying, by the way, is Quentin Tarantino planned for a stunt woman to be part of this. And Zoe was like, why you want to do that, mate? I is a stunt woman, I is. <laughs> Classic Kiwi uh, dialect. Yeah, we never see Mary Elizabeth again. No, we never do. Meep, meep. What was that? But the thing is, they're all they're all girlfriends. She wouldn't really set her friend up to get raped. You know what I mean? Like I I think right. she maybe incorrectly thought it would be okay. Yeah. But then all right. Okay, I agree. And then she lets her friend ride on the roof of the car, the hood of the car. Well, okay, the whole scene where I said it wasn't believable was the one lady telling the stunt lady, 
this is crazy. You said we'd never do it. You promised. And then the second part was the conversation in which um, uh, Rosero Dawson promised she could only come in the car with them if she didn't give them any flack about what they were doing. She was like, you can't leave me here. I want to come on the... Uh. So, yes, she lets her friend ride on the on the car. Oh, did you see that neato cut? Like, it's a grind. Yeah, but we're too long. Yeah, I'm done with neato cuts. This movie's an hour and a half already. Enough yeah, with the, the gimmick of the... Yeah, yeah. yeah enough already. The thing is, straight here to this scene. At least it's some action. It involves our villain. Yeah, right. He essentially does it. It's like kind of like, you know, you wait the slow burn or like, you know, catch and release type of self-pleasuring where you have like, you have to sit through 40 minutes of dialogue so you can get to this scene. So this is exciting, but it doesn't make any sense why she's in this circumstance. She's not making Then again, she's a stunt woman, so she has to be excited by this sort of thing. So yeah, I guess they, sense for uh, character. Yeah, but why would she? I mean, like she just wants to do it. That's like stunt rock mentality. Like I'm just gonna do it in, in an open set. Like can't you go to a closed course? How many times have I seen a car commercial where it says professional in a closed course? Right. That's why you could try out this shit, and then if there's an accident, you land on like a, I don't know Afro Astro Turf or something. Yeah, none of this is CGI. This is all real. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. <clears throat> said that this would not be an impressive scene if you knew. I mean, yeah, like the well, Fast and the Furious stuff. Knew, kind of but it's not impressive if it isn't real. No, is it real that the fucking stuntman Mike just happens to be waiting for them outside? Like he knew they were gonna go down this road. That's he isn't even following them. No, there he is. He's like Wiley Coyote. He's got the binoculars. Doink, meep, meep, doink. Yeah, just there they are. And an open road, no less. Yeah, now he gets dumber. But not until he gets shot, Mike. No, but even, like, he was scary, like, when he was going off on roads. Like, the way he looked at her, he was hard. Now he's just, like, kind of smiley, like, I'm going to go play a back nine type of goofy dad. Ah, okay, gotcha. Like his facial features lighten up until he gets scarcely cartoonish. Like he's having a good time too, running these women off the road. He isn't doing it kind of a hate plot. He's more like, ha ha, I'm a dick. Well, he's like a murderer. He's like, it's terror. Yeah. Terror to a ducky. Yeah, there we go. But it's not a fatal kick. Well, I guess he's not intentional. He's just giving a little low tap. Well, part of this it is, is the like terror, that. right? He wants to fuck with them. Yeah, you're right. So he, he's tailgating. Can you believe that? He must be from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, right. As if the country doesn't tailgate. <laughs> well, there's one particular state to tailgate. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's Can always a myth, like, oh, Connecticut drivers suck. You know, every dri- if every state has, 
Like, or the beautifulest women are from New York. You know, there's beautiful women everywhere. Look, she's got no strap now, and it's not, and it's it's not CGI. I'm sure it's yeah, well, done so responsibly, after, but getting back to that screen crash, do you think this movie would have been made if the Uma Thurman uh, revealed what happened sooner? Like, if this, that story didn't come out until like ten, fifteen years, later. I think it would be and have been made. Yes, I think that. That wouldn't have bothered Quentin, and I, I, we just think that was a mishap one time. Yeah, you're right. Look, she kicked his car. Get out of here. That's crazy. Now, right about now is the time in which this should end. It's just not realistic that it's going on and on. Why isn't the right. you know vanishing point car slowing down, letting her get off, you know? I know they're being chased, but... I kind of miss Fast and the Furious. I mean, those movies were more fun because you got the computer-generated, the CGI effect, like, smash! They'll have, like, some kind of popular music playing, as, as those movies tend to do. Wheels World Race. Okay, so here comes a scene that I feel is another inorganic, like, false note, is that they're in Tennessee, and there's a drive-in in the middle of nowhere where there's no cars, and they have a sign, and it's two Weinstein movies, including one that takes place in Australia. It's uh, Wolf Creek and... Uh, yeah. Uh, now, Quentin Tarantino yeah. loved Wolf Creek. As a matter of fact, he considered the star of Wolf Creek uh, fr- for this movie. Again, he was oh, unavailable. Oh, The Old Man? Have you seen Wolf Creek? It's a creepy movie. No. Um, I, I wouldn't Australian horror classic Wolf Creek 2005, one of Quentin Tarantino's favorite horror films. In fact, when he production of Death Proof in its earliest stages, he briefly considered main actor of Wolf Creek, John Jarrett, as stuntman Mike. Well, he plays a creepy guy. Like he's, The story is that there's this couple, a young 20-something couple, a millennial couple. They're, they're Australian. I think they're in the outback. They're, they're Australian and they meet a fun, fun guy, and he uh, lets them stay at his place, and they wake up, and that's like 45 minutes. It's the same yeah. kind of premise as this, this little build-up. So he was, he's ripping off a movie. He's ripping off Wolf Creek. Oh. But then the guy wakes up, and he's tortured to death, and the guy's going to torture her, him. and he, So it becomes a, uh, like a torture porn film, you know, uh, torture porn. So, yeah. They're, they're a nice couple. They meet a nice man. They stay, drink with him, and when they wake up, he's torturing them. I'm and not a fan end, of those kinds like, of movies, but Tarantino loves them. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Well, Eli Roth had a Hostel on Hostel Part Two, which is the same premise. You get to watch right. these guys eat other people. Yeah. Literally you know, this is still room. going on even after he got spun off the road. That was the time to slow down and let her get in the car. You know. Look how dangerous this is, man. That's another thing. Like, Jackie Chan does some crazy stunts, and a lot of times it's him doing it. But they're more entertaining. They're more like, yeah, he looks straight into the camera. Fuck you. Fucking the game of character. He doesn't know that she has a gun, and he's like, he's saying, that was fun. And he's about to get a rude surprise. Yeah, nice.
Right now he's going to become softer again. He goes super soft, and he he wins the runner ball, and suddenly you know he's the the hunted. And I don't know. It's just it seems weird after watching these women get malt. You know, first hour and a half of this hard ass, and he just completely turns on a dime in the second half. Well, he shot and he pours vodka uh, alcohol on his wound, and as one does. Now look, the stunt lady. I'm okay. <laughs> If this was John Wick, he just had to go knock on the door of the, the doctor from the Continental and, uh, you know, goes, I can't let you in. Five o'clock, you're going to no, – I can't let you in. It's almost five o'clock. That was a close oh, one, it was. Oh, my God. Now, Good they're job. responsible, oh, yeah. unlike the Fast and Furious, that if you land on your tires, you're okay. Right. They're teaching our people to be reckless on the road because they can be on their tires. <laughs> yeah, all you have to do is roll down a hill, and as long as your car keeps flipping over and lands on the tire, you'll be safe and you can yeah, drive the car. Because you're right side up. Yeah. That's right. And you just go rev the engine going. If it's upside down, it'll be a couple seconds. You might have blood dripping. Things might flash, and then you crawl out. She got her weapon. Uh, they're gonna stick it to him. The stick? Uh, now they're doing it like uh, Night Rider. The George a Romero. A joust. Movie. A joust. There's a really cool George Romero movie called Night Riders, where uh, they are. It's a Renaissance fair that has medieval fighting on motorcycles, mm -hmm. and it's they use like lances and they they motorcycle against each other. It's a pretty cool film. She <laughs> suggests they see it. Yeah, I do actually. It's a great film. What's it called? I Night thought, Riders. Thought, yeah, so it's like Night with without a K. And they're and uh, or maybe there is a K because they play Knights. I, I think that's what it is. But it's Night Riders. Stephen King's in it. <coughs> I'll check it out. Yeah, I saw that on the Robert Rodriguez Network. He had a network called El Rey Network, and they would play like Grindhouse movies. Yep, just happened to have a bond on the glove compartment. That fits his character. I always thought there was like license and registration. <laughs> and uh, like, you can have a bottle in here because I need a stiff one right about now. Here you go. You give it. To, you give the license and registration to the officer and then you go into your glove compartment and you pull out some booze and you drink. Now he got shot in the arm, but now he's shot in the shoulder. Maybe there was a second shot? No, I think he got shot in that area, I in guess. shoulder from the start, looks gotcha. Like, looks painful. Speaking of painful, is how much more time? I'm getting battery notices on my, my <laughs> uh, laptop. I mean, my mini radio studio computer. There's like 12 minutes left. All right. There you go. Now, he's about to get that's punched a, in the basketball. head 37 times in 30 seconds, what? plus a roundhouse really? kick and a boot to the skull. Oh, right. Yeah, but that's outside the Zephyr's car. Right. Come on, Zoe Bell. Zoe Bell hops in like fucking Dukes of Hazard, right? Right, so the exactly like Dukes of Hazard. 
Looks like them Duke girls in a heck of trouble. Heap of trouble. A whole heap of mess and trouble. Steaming mess of trouble. Now, they're going to have to buy this car because they fuck it up. I know. That's the thing. So, uh, (laughs) so Lucy McLean's sacrifice was not in vain because he's going to make a sale. Right. That's true. Well, she only wanted it for the the fight. Oh, so I guess we're going to smash the drive-in. But the weird thing is, like, who the fuck lives out here? I haven't seen another driver at all. And this is notably during the day, where the first half is during night. Or day into night. Lots of livestock. Yeah. You know, he treated the, the extras like cattle. <laughs> Oil rigs and a lone drive-in movie theater. He's going to crash through the sign. Right through it. Right through it. Which is a double feature. It's a nice touch that by the end of this grindhouse experience. You go, oh yeah, double features fucking sucks. I'll never see another one again. <laughs> Although I love double features. What a way to spend the afternoon. Now this is Kurt Russell's chance to get away. And he blows it. He doesn't get away. He keeps going down the same road. Well, his <clears throat> GPS told him to turn right. <clears throat> But, I mean, he could have turned and gone parallel or perpendicular, perpendicular and gotten away. I would just go right into the lake. You're right. Yeah. Here comes the crash. Whoa. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, Oh, look, there's actual cars. There's people. They're in civilization. Strange. Ouch. Whoa. I don't think that was in the theatrical. Look at that, that funny blood. Yeah, it's so red. Maybe he just got a tattoo and it's bleeding on, on his arm and his shirt. Look at all these pedestrians. <laughs> no. Yeah, you got actual cars. Innocent bystander uh, cars. Uh, yeah. Well, this could be the Matrix, too, and they are driving the simulation, so it doesn't matter. They all turn into Agent Smith. Watch how these cars, some of them, like, really spin out. Cool. So I wonder where Lebanon is. Here we go. Yeah. Excuse me. He's got, excuse me. He's, whoa, he spins out. My sticker showing two children in the back seat did nothing. Your stick figure family, you better scrape off one dude. <laughs> scrape off that dog. <laughs> oh, you know that bumper sticker that says your child is an honor student at uh, right. Wolf of the Elementary? I think you need to change the text of that. Bye! <laughs> This goes yeah, on too long, right. too long. Yeah, well, it's Carl's death proof, Carl. I mean, it's a now, man's dream. Now he thinks he got away, and he's he got a, he's all happy, and then, ah, oh, damn it! They're back! I know, but he, he's not as cool as he was in Austin. No, I think he was he's a phony not, and that's... I think Tarantino's trying to 
you know, make the bad guy get what's coming to him, which is just like doing yeah. exactly what the bad guy did. He goes, I was just so kidding, these... I was just playing. I know, right? They're going to kill him. Yeah. So are they seeking revenge for the first set of women who they did? I mean, maybe they saw the first half of the movie. Right, so they, they might have seen the first half. Yeah. Whoa, this movie's out of control. Yeah, they got the extra cars going. People say this is a great chase scene. Well, it is a great chase scene. There's a point to it. Bad guys need to be chased. Right, a point to it. Boom! Yeah. Wolf Creek. Why are they Down for the count. Wolf Creek. It's a creepy movie, and there's a sequel to it. The The hero doesn't really win. He gets arrested and, and framed for the murder that the old man did. Oh. And he also gets and they say it's based on a true story. That's the only reason why I give it away. Here's another chance true. for Kurt Russell to get away, and he won't take it. Right. And he's talking to the camera. Is he going to look in the camera again? Like it's fucking trading places? No. Yeah. Oh, there they are. Sonic the Hedgehog. They're, above, they're up there in the green hills. Then one. <laughs> you know how there's different levels like you could you could go down the bottom of the hill or you could go on top of the hill i don't i i'm i'm no good with those i i miss that whole boat yeah well it, don't worry it's a dumb reference anyway my mind is racing i i got away Whoa. with it right he's giving a little curl that's a laugh Whoa. no Oh, he's oh, fine. Wheel, yeah. The wheels. He's fine. Wheel side up. Yeah. And she's fine too. You know, I haven't seen the barefoot in like an hour. Yeah. What's up, Quentin? Just ass shots. Give me a break. I guess your footage is over. You must have squirted. <laughs> right. Let's get the movie over. Yeah, this cartoon like. Punch in 37 times. 30 yeah, seconds. in 30 seconds. You brought sugar-free Kool-Aid? Take that. I asked for paper towels, not napkins. <laughs> Road rage. <laughs> this is for the first set of women. Probably Kurt, Quentin's <laughs> like, let's do it again. And Kurt was like, please, no. No. Yay, the end. It has a cheesy ending. Like, he, is the so for, oh, there he is. Back. That's a that French pop song that's in the simple favor. Yeah, last shot. There we go. There's the credits. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, we had just lost. Well, this is a... Uh, See Rose Pam, Rose was uh, when now, they we'll before the projector again. Vanessa's the only star who's one of these women at the end. She's in a car. Oh yeah. Well, you know, when you go to the theaters in the seventies, the projectionists would show these reels to kind of align the camera. There she is. She's yeah. in the car. So, so it's like uh, 
so the projectionist could focus, and then also right. guys could get to look at some movies. So that's what the reference is. Uh, God, hey Carl, what do you think of this movie? I thought it was gratuitous and dumb, and I I enjoyed parts of it, and I really enjoyed how he made it retro. I think that was a very good job. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like it's a dream movie where it's like a bad dream you would have where it's just the same thing happens over and over again. Yeah. Uh, so if I feel like to be in that state, and it's not as obnoxious as some other movies he's made, but this one's pretty bad for sure. Yeah. Uh, boo hit this movie. And well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been the least of his films. Yeah, even Quinn Tarantino agrees with us. See, Quinter, and I'm glad I said no. So I was right. But. <laughs> Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Carl, I'm very excited to – Carl, thank you so much, audience. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carl. Thank you, Michael. See you next time. Bye-bye. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike It's Monday night. It's usually time for the Joke Workshop. But as we know, comedy is dead everywhere. Uh, COVID is around, and we don't know what's going on. It's a Memorial Day weekend. Saw a lot of pictures from Dolores Park and Ocean Beach. Lots of people just out and about going <laughs> about their barbecuing lives. I'm out here at Mutiny Radio. I also have a barbecue going. Five legs and thighs together, spiced, ready to go for whatever comedians show up to do this with me. Yeah, what could this possibly be? Uh, well, I was gifted, uh, if you listen to Mutiny Radio, you know that Flat Black Plastic is one of the amazing shows that we have here. It's every Saturday from noon to two. Scotto Walker plays all vinyl. He is a collector, amazing collector, and he finds things all over the place and then gifts them out because he's a gem. And he gave me this new, D this new, this old DVD, this old comedy DVD, and it has. Make 
Your love. 